Support WrestleTalk! Insert friendly British voice. Did somebody say pole on a pole match? No? Oh, well, we're talking about it anyways. In the world of wrestling, there's a bunch of odd match stipulations that on the surface sound like they can be incredibly exciting things, but then ultimately fall flat on their face. It's no secret that we all have our own love and favoritism towards matches, but there's always matches that should always and forever be kept under the rug. I'm Connor Cooper from Parts Semi-Known, and this is the top 10 worst wrestling stipulations. I wanna be on Quizzlemania. Number 10, the stairs match. You know what would be crazy, guys? If you go to a tables, ladders, and chairs pay-per-view, and you don't give them chairs, you give them stairs. Oh, wacky doodles, Vince McMahon said when he introduced it onto the TLC card. Yes, this is one of those very few matches where it only really had one or two instances. In this case, Eric Rowan versus The Big Show. It certainly ain't no WWE on a pole match. Shouts out to Making Kayfabe Podcast. But it did have its fair moments here and there. The Big Show was turning face and heel so much that you could have just assumed he was running around a revolving door. And Eric Rowan was too busy trying to find a personality underneath a very cheap sheet mask. Perhaps his personality was hidden inside of a mechanical spider that he owned. Number 10. Uh, we, we already covered that number? Anyways, moving on to number 10. Um, like I said, we've already covered number 10. Okay, um, uh, cut the music. Cut it. Cut it right now. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've been off for a week. How much has changed in that span? We know how quickly wrestling changes. So, why the f- Okay, I know who we're covering this week, but... What, we- I can't? Oh, come on, I just changed the bleep sound too! No! Okay, that's it, I am ending this- Oh, don't you f- No! of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast, we'll be discussing, he's the perfect 10, it's Ty Dillinger! One of my thoughts on him potentially winning a title in WWE, should his main roster run have been a little better, and what on earth should he have done instead? So for now, tell your friends, tell your friendliest friends, tell them all about this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction! Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, my fictional friends, welcome to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. The injury angle's over. I'm back, baby. I am back to pitch to every single one of you. Wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to spoilers, the damn right insane. Because we're talking about a 10 this week. A person who, in hindsight, I'm kind of glad I had a little bit of extra time to work on. Ty Dillinger. Because, uh, you know, he he's really reaching, in present time, the pinnacle of his career. You see what I did there? And it there's so much stuff that I feel was kind of left on the table with the perfect 10 gimmick. On NXT, on the main roster... Like, there's, 
having done research for this, there's there's so many random tidbits that I, I want to get into and I can't wait. There's there's two specific storylines that I'm I'm so excited to talk about this week. And you know what? If you want to skip to those, guess what? I didn't mention it last week, but we have timestamps now. That's right. If you go down to the description of this podcast feed, you will find timestamps for this week's episode in case you feel like, hey, this one, I like it, but I kind of want to hear what he's talking about next. So if you like it, go check down the description, get yourself on the fancy dancy timestamp and enjoy, my guy. So with that out of the way, let's get straight into pitching storylines for Ty Dillinger. But before we do that, we need to discuss the process, the the mental arithmetic to achieve such a perfect 10 status. And that way is through a little segment I like to call the tagline. So if this is your first time listening to this podcast, the tagline is basically my outlet to explain my process in about 30 words or less for kind of what I plan to do with a character and other stuff. Kind of explaining everything at all within 30 words or less. Think of it like your Netflix pitch that you see when you're kind of scrolling through what you want to watch. Or Crunchyroll, because I'm going to keep reminding you until it happens. WWE has a Crunchyroll show coming out. I don't know when, why, or how, but it's real. So, without further ado, I think it's time that I ask the editor of this podcast, aka myself, to cue the music, future me! Ty Dillinger, I think he's had a pretty divisive run on on both rosters, actually. NXT, first of all, I think when people first saw Ty Dillinger back in 2012, no one really pegged him to become the perfect 10 that he eventually became, particularly with, like, how he was being booked. He was, the best way I can describe it, a jobber to the stars. Like, you saw him have a debut or at least treat people as the first, like, comeback match. You know, the Cody Rhodes line that he is a wrestler's wrestler is very true when it came to Ty Dillinger. Like, he he helped Apollo Crews debut, he helped Sami Zayn's return, he helped Andrade, which kind of backfired a lot and ended up getting Ty Dillinger more over. But I always felt there was something missing with Ty Dillinger's run to really wrap it up nicely because the way it ended was with the Eric Young steel cage match and whilst that was a good match it didn't really lead anywhere kind of just the summary of his run on Smackdown like he did have a couple noteworthy things particularly his like small feud with Baron Corbin and Ty Dillinger over the US title but they didn't really do much with Ty Dillinger and he kind of was left lost in the shuffle, which is an absolute shame considering the, I guess, popular response to the 10 gimmick and how it took over WWE for a period. Like, not even just as like a chant, but from a character perspective, the perfect 10 character is a gimmick that on the surface is a perfect cowardly heel. It's your, I'm perfect at everything, nobody else can beat me. 
But it was used in a very interesting way as a baby face, where it was just like a source of confidence after losing and losing and losing again. And I think there's potential in there, and even with a possible heel turn, that there has a lot of mileage for the Perfect 10 gimmick. Which is why the tagline for this week is coming up short again and again. A self-proclaimed Perfect 10 seeks a victory to justify the unconditional support of his fans. Because that's really the thing that kept Ty Dillinger going. Well, we'll get into it a little bit more when we actually get into the feuds, but... Like, the Perfect 10 character was defined by this self-absorbed confidence. And when that confidence was shot, you know, it was ultimately the fans that picked him up. And that's a very interesting yet kind of daunting self, I guess, I, w I want to say parasocial relationship with a crowd, which I think has a lot of very interesting dimensions that you can look into for these storylines. And that's basically the tagline for this week. So I think it's time that we get onto the very first pitch. And for those of you watching at home, this is going to lead to a movement. Ten. Huh. I didn't even say a... Okay, we're just going to move on from that. So, yeah, we're talking about Daniel Bryan. Now, for podcast listeners, this may sound like a, a very odd choice at first. Daniel Bryan and Ty Dillinger? Did, did, did they even have an interaction? I don't even think they did anything together. Well, my friends, I'm happy to say that yes, if you did not watch the Hell in a Cell pre-show in 2017, then you wouldn't know they had an interaction. So much so that to explain how this storyline starts, I, I feel like the best thing that I can do is just roll the clip. So what you're saying is you want me, yes, to add you to the match, yes, and make this a triple threat match for the United States Championship, yes. Hmm, that idea sounds like a... Perfect 10. No. Oh, I was going to say a great idea. You're in the match. <clears throat> what are you doing with your hands? Oh, this is a universal sign for a perfect 10. It's kind of like this is the universal sign for yes. You know what I mean? What? 10? Yes. 10. Yes. 10? Yes! It's kind of fun. 10! Yes! 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 10! Yes, my friends, that actually happened. And it is the catalyst that shall lead to a brand new tag team on SmackDown Live. The perfect yes. Now, how does this whole storyline come about? Well, first of all, this all begins on the night after WrestleMania 34. If you want to trace your mind back to that, Daniel Bryan had just recently returned and had a successful victory over Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens with the help of Shane McMahon. At this time, the Superstar Shakeup 
was about to happen. So pretty much everyone was going everywhere for matches, all in preparation for the draft. Because brand loyalty is odd in WWE. And basically, the way this story begins is that Daniel Bryan wants a piece of The Miz. He wants a piece of it now that he's fully medically cleared. He wants a match with The Miz. And The Miz won't accept it unless he has The Miz-tourage with him. So, on this night, Shane McMahon is busy dealing with all the potential superstars who he might be drafting for the Superstar Shake-Up. So Daniel Bryan looks for a partner. And he having an interview with Renee Young, who is still with the company. And he says that, you know, I can't just have any partner. I need someone who's a perfect 10. The camera pans. It's Ty Dillinger. It's Ty Dillinger and Daniel Bryan versus Miz and the Miztourage in a handicap match. Because, you know, Daniel Bryan's so desperate to take on the Miz, he'll take it on with just one person. It doesn't matter. And in this, you start to build that tag team chemistry. It's the post-WrestleMania crowd. So you know you're going to get, like in that previous clip, a mixture between 10 chance and yes chance. One on one. And with it, you start to see, you know, kind of a spark in Daniel Bryan and Ty Dillinger's eyes. And it's like, you know, we, we would actually make a good team when they eventually finish the match with a kind of a tag team finish of sorts. It's the tiebreaker hit into the running knee for the one, two, three. Ty Dillinger and Daniel Bryan win. And thus, the birth of a brand new tag team on SmackDown. The perfect yes is born. Now, during this period... I think you can kind of imagine what's going to happen here. Daniel Bryan and Ty Dillinger go for the tag team titles because it's a very underrated tag team division at that time. I mean, when you look back at the tag team division of SmackDown in that 2017-2018 period, probably one of the best tag divisions they've had in a decade for SmackDown. You had the Usos having the run of their careers for the time. You had The New Day. You had Brizango. You had Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Fantastic workers there. Rusev and Aiden English with the Rusev Day chance. And that's not even including, like, sections of the undercard like The Ascension and Brizango, who I think I already mentioned Brizango, but I'm going to say it anyways. Like, you had a good mixture of, like, Main event, mid-card, and lower-card teams. And that's not even including the Bludgeon Brothers, who were the tag team champions post-Mania. So, the way this goes about is that it's Daniel Bryan and Ty Dillinger chasing for the tag team titles against the Bludgeon Brothers. Kind of replacing what Daniel Bryan did going with Kane to take on the Bludgeon Brothers. And, you know, it isn't really successful at first. And, you know, they're slowly trying to find their chemistry as a tag team. And it all culminates in pretty much the Fool's Count Anywhere match that the Bludgeon Brothers lost the tag titles with. Except you slot out the New Day and you put in Ty Dillinger and Daniel Bryan. Both kind of showing, you know, their work as a team getting better and better. You know, the commentators put over that they're such an inexperienced team. But yet, it's almost like... They're not just a tag team, it's like the whole crowd is a tag team. Because the appeal of Ty Dillinger is the same thing as it was for Daniel Bryan. They're both, at this point in their careers, very sympathetic characters. Daniel Bryan 
coming off of the neck injury that we all thought he was never going to wrestle again. And Ty Dillinger with the whole perfect 10 gimmick, as we've discussed before, was one built out of his own lack of self-confidence. In interviews where he talked about why the perfect 10 gimmick came to be, it was because NXT coaches were going to cut him. And he didn't understand why he kept on getting ranked 8s and 9s, even though he thought he was clearly better than a lot of members of the roster at that point. Don't quote me word for word for that. I could be slightly wrong here and there, but that's kind of the main conception that I got from it. So, with it, Daniel Bryan and Ty Dillinger beat the Bludgeon Brothers for the tag team titles. It's a beautiful moment where Ty Dillinger's finally won a championship in WWE. Daniel Bryan has essentially regained a degree of confidence after, you know, returning and having his neck fully cleared. And it all builds with them having, you know, a good run with the belts. They have, like, tag team title defenses against, uh, Gordon, no, Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. And the one that I really want to see, Aiden English and Rusev. Imagine it, okay? A battling of Yes Chance and Ten Chance versus the Rusev Day Chance. That, That could be a really fun match. So that stuff happens, and it all builds to a SummerSlam match with the Usos. We get a promo exchange between the teams. Daniel Bryan and Ty Dillinger just trying to be your typical baby faces saying that everything is great with us as a team. Maybe you get a little bit of the goofy comedy from the clip of the 10 and the yes trying to get the crowd ready. And then the Usos start cutting their promo. And I wrote a little bit of this and I'm, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say. <laughs> okay. Now, now, we respect DB, but TD, nah, man, you crazy. Ty, you're a perfect 10. You got the business on lock. Yeah. Riding on the coattails of a former world champ. I'm shocked. Ty, we've seen you beat people who are ready, willing, and crazy. But this Sunday... We're taking those belts like we're gonna be gone picking daisies. And I would try and rap more or say more stuff rhyming, but I realized I'm not very good at that, and I apologize once again for doing that. Basically, the summary of it is just a lot of promo stuff being directed at Ty, kind of not being as good as Daniel Bryan. You know, the story of the lot of the matches that led to them defending the tag belts in the first place was because of Ty Dillinger constantly getting pinned in matches. Like, it's highlighted that even though they've got an extremely strong win record, when they do lose, it's mostly because Ty Dillinger takes the fall. It's never Daniel Bryan. And yet, you build that story. You don't really say the conflict, but you tease it there. And you build to SummerSlam, guys! We're at SummerSlam! the summariest of slams. And with it, it's the Usos versus Daniel Bryan and Ty Dillinger, the perfect yes. And unfortunately, that perfect yes becomes a yes for the Usos because they win the SmackDown Tag Team titles as they do at SummerSlam. I, I actually, was it that SummerSlam? Or was it, no, that might be last year. But either way, they win the tag titles here. Yay! <laughs> Moving on from this, as this happens, you know, 
It's one of those things where it's the long walkout. Usos have already celebrated. They're walking to the back. Ty Dillinger, of course, took the fall once again. And Daniel Bryan picks him up. They they hug it out. And yeah, you see Ty just like embracing it. And then he just says, I'm sorry. Of course, Daniel Bryan doesn't know what he means. Ty Dillinger hits a low blow on Daniel Bryan. The crowd is shocked and stunned. There are boos. You, you start hearing some no chants. And Ty Dillinger just snaps at this moment. He just starts assaulting Daniel Bryan. Tiebreaker after tiebreaker. Targeting the neck. It's almost... It's uncomfortable to watch. And it all culminates in a... I guess you can say a precursor to the chairman gimmick. He grabs two steel chairs... And hits Daniel Bryan with a concerto. Daniel Bryan is stretched out. Ty Dillinger has effectively snapped. We go to the SmackDown after SummerSlam. And we see Ty Dillinger sitting in the middle of the ring on a dented chair. The chair that he used to sideline Daniel Bryan. Because from this point on... Daniel Bryan is sidelined for months. He has essentially had the scare of, I don't know, coming back with a broken neck of sorts. And then, I know, having everything retarget the neck. And we just see Sean Spears sitting there, a la, think, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Where Eddie is just quietly and silently just trying to explain the whole situation that very serious mode that's kind of what i'm expecting from ty because as we've seen with like sean spears he does have that intensity in him and that's what i really want to get out of this promo segment here and basically he justifies why he attacked daniel bryan and breaking up the perfect yes and he summarizes that it was bound to happen sooner or later he talks about how much the fans loved Daniel Bryan, so much so they they clamored for him to be at WrestleMania, main eventing WrestleMania, hijacking shows, hijacking moments of other people's careers. And it was only a matter of time that the fans would eventually beg for that again, beg for the yeses, and eventually Daniel Bryan would move on without Ty Dillinger. He would be thrust into a main event while Ty is slowly forgotten and put into obscurity. So he decided he would become someone the WWE Universe will never forget. The man that ended Daniel Bryan's career. Yes, can get you somewhere, but a perfect 10 will get you anywhere. And that's the phrase that he does to close the promo. And from this point, Ty Dillinger is fully invested in this heel, perfect 10 character. He does some stuff that you might remember from some old NXT live events where he's sitting at ringside observing someone who he's particularly interested in to rise up the ranks of the main roster. Where he's sitting there and rating particular moves from opponents with his like number cards that he used to carry out to the ring. And with it, it can kind of be used to distract opponents, sometimes benefit them. And he's just constantly sitting there on 
the chair that he used to hurt Daniel Bryan and sideline him and potentially end his career. And this all culminates after getting several big victories over the likes of multiple babyface wrestlers who were high at the time. You could say like people like Jeff Hardy, uh, Mustafa Ali, and he eventually gets a number one contenders match for the WWE Championship. And let's just say that this number one contenders match doesn't end how Ty Dillinger wanted it to end. And it ends with him losing his one big shot at a WWE Championship. And during the post-match, he gets up and he, he starts arguing with the referee, saying, what are you doing? You, you counted to three. What do you mean that was a three? And he just starts wailing on the referee. He grabs a microphone saying, reverse the decision. I am the most perfect athlete in all of professional wrestling. I took away the thing that these people love the most. I am the true perfect 10 of this company. The 10 movement will continue. And he just starts talking and assaulting the referee. He grabs a steel chair looking like he's about to do the exact same thing that he did to Daniel Bryan. He puts the chair down next to the referee's head, who just, he can't defend himself. The commentators are begging for someone to stop this man. And then Daniel Bryan's music hits. And we don't see the yes chance. We don't see him, like, pointing his fingers up. We just see him sprint down to the ring and just assault Ty Dillinger. Dillinger looks like he's seen a ghost referees and other people from the locker room try to split the two up as they just start wailing on each other. And this continues for several weeks. You still have Ty Dillinger keeping up the gimmick of just watching people's matches, trying to move on from Daniel Bryan. And he still, like, sits on the, like, dented chair of Daniel Bryan. And during it, Daniel Bryan assaults him there next to the commentary desk. He assaults him backstage. Likewise, until it gets to a point where Shane McMahon says he has had enough and he books a Hell in a Cell match for Ty Dillinger versus Daniel Bryan. And in this match, it's, it's as violent as you imagine it being. Callbacks to their old perfect yes phase, you know, kind of highlighting the stuff that like Ty Dillinger was always seen as the weaker link. Him kind of like mocking Daniel Bryan's moves a la The Miz. And building to eventually the concerto spot on Daniel Bryan. One, two, Daniel Bryan kicks out at two and a half. Dillinger can't believe it. Daniel Bryan fights from underneath. And he beats Ty Dillinger in the Hell in a Cell match. One, two, three. And yeah, that's kind of the end of that feud. And this ultimately kind of achieves what I think is kind of crucial for Dillinger. I, as much as I would have loved to see him in a main event position, he is a great upper mid-card foil if you give him the time. Look at his later work as Sean Spears against Cody Rhodes at All Out. Probably some of the best work he's had of his career up to this point. Whilst it was an unintentional thing with the whole, you know, steel chair accident, he made it work. And I feel like he could make this work really well. And it gives Daniel Bryan something to do that is 
you know, a fresh take on the Daniel Bryan character having to, like, recover from this injury. It also keeps the whole Miz feud relatively fresh, if you want to kind of go back to that down the line. And I, th I think it does a lot to get Ty Dillinger over by having him associated with a former world champion. And having this big angle where you threaten to get rid of one of your biggest stars, you're, you're going to make a star out of him regardless. And if you want to push him to be a mid-card champion, he'd be great for that. So that is the first storyline pitch that I have for this week. The next one is going to be a bit of an intermission for the next big one that I'm really invested in. But it's just as important because we're going to be dealing with someone who is probably one of the most relaxed wrestlers in WWE history. And in fact, some would say that he was tranquilo. Ten. Okay, that's starting to get annoying. But I, I need to keep tranquilo because we're talking about Andrade. So, this is probably my big unpopular opinion. I... I, I'm not a big fan of Andrade. I'm sorry. I, I'm not. And I won't go much into it, but I I just, I think he'd be a great fit for a feud with Ty Dillinger. Because, you know, I think of Andrade's debut in NXT as kind of actually a shift between both characters. Like, if Ty Dillinger wasn't as over as he was with the 10 gimmick, I think Andrade would have been a lot more accepted as a babyface when he first came in. And with it, it shifted, I think, Andrade's whole persona as a wrestler, going from this guy wearing suspenders and a fedora to Andrade with Selena Vega. And likewise, it shifted Ty Dillinger's career from being, at that point, NXT's jobber to the stars to a person who could actually be taken seriously in a main event position in NXT. We'll get onto that later. And for me, I think one of the biggest missed opportunities of this was having a double turn and having Andrade turn heel from the Ty Dillinger stuff. So how does this all come about? Basically, exactly how this stuff initially began. Uh, Andrade debuted at, I believe it was NXT TakeOver The End. I could be wrong there. And it goes exactly how the match went in real life, which was kind of a back-and-forth match that got over Ty Dillinger more with Andrade. Now, he smiled with his fedora and his fist pump to whoever it is he was fist pumping. I don't know who, but he was fist pumping someone. And basically, from this point on, we have the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic coming up, guys. Remember that? Basically, it's... It's completely random teams for some of them, and you know, some established teams, and one of them is Ty Dillinger and Andrade. So, say it with me now, folks. <clears throat> How can they coexist? How can they coexist? Well, apparently pretty damn well at first. So much so that they get to the semi-finals, guys. So, they are on NXT TakeOver. I believe that was the one that still had NXT TakeOver have semi-finals at the Dusty Cup. And it's Ty Dillinger and Andrade versus, I'm gonna say, Sanity. Because in this idea, I could do whatever I want.
basically with it. Yeah, uh, Ty Dillinger loses. <laughs> he takes the fall, and of course, Andrade is not happy about it, and he just starts wailing on Ty Dillinger in his hometown of Canada. He just starts beating the living S-word out of him. We cut to two weeks from NXT, and we get this promo from Andrade in Spanish that is translated because, you know what, let's just use the native language. Because that's always useful. It makes promos just sound more natural. And he basically explains how he resents Ty Dillinger for ruining his debut. This was supposed to be his big debut as a big star coming from across the entire world. He didn't fail his first opportunity. Yet Ty Dillinger has failed again and again and again. And yet these people just blindly follow him like he's some sheep. And basically from this point, we have the feud. It is Ty Dillinger versus Andrade. Both of them just trading like wins in squash matches against local enhancement talent A and local enhancement talent B. All eventually leading to an NXT TakeOver match. Ty Dillinger versus Andrade. And it's pretty much how you would expect it to go. Well, you can really go either way with it. On one hand, you can capitalize on Dillinger's rise in popularity and have him win and kind of do what NXT did in real life, which was have Ty Dillinger win and then Andrade proceeds to kind of fill what Ty Dillinger's role was for a bit. Like, look back to his match against Alistair Black at NXT TakeOver. Oh, God, what one was it? Was it... No, it wasn't Brooklyn. Was it Brooklyn? No, it wasn't Brooklyn. It was... Uh, I think it was Philadelphia. I could be wrong. Someone tell me. And you build from there and you build up Andrade like you did in real life where he got paired with Selena Vega, then won the NXT Championship out of nowhere. I, I still believe it was out of nowhere. And with it, yeah, you build tie up a little bit more. You give him at least a margin of credit after getting himself over, which is nice. And with Andrade, well, yeah, you kind of show that heel side that we all know is the better version of Andrade because that gives him more character work and gets him out of suspenders and fedoras, <laughs> which is which is always good. It's always good to see that. And I it's very simple. It's not overly complicated because the next one, I'm I'm definitely be talking a lot more. And it it's one that I'm I'm very excited for. So we're just gonna move straight on to it. That was very short. I know. I'm sorry if people really wanted, you know, a big dynamic between the two. I just wanted to just suggest an idea because we're going on to the next one, which I'm I'm really excited for. And I'm just going to say this this storyline has the potential to be the most glorious storyline in NXT history. Let's get straight to it. Ten. This is the hill that I'm going to die on. Ty Dillinger should have been NXT champion and he should have done it by beating Bobby goddamn Rude. So that's the timeline we're going for. So let's just tell you how this comes about. Ty Dillinger 
wins a battle royal. He wins a battle royal for a shot at the NXT Championship. He overcomes members of Sanity. He overcomes Cassius Ono. He overcomes Andrade. All big names in NXT at the time because NXT was in that big rebuilding period. And it's at this point that we see Bobby Roode come out. He, he claps. He says, oh, well done, Ty. You won. But talk to me next week. And we'll really put you into the reality of what's going on. So we get to next week. And it's it's the moment that I think kind of summarizes the thing that I want to do with this. And actually, no, I'm not going to describe that yet. Because I feel like the gravity of this situation, we need to go to another clip. So give me a second here to do this right now. Ty, with your loss tonight in front of your hometown of Toronto, talk to us about how disheartening that was. It's exactly that. It's disheartening. It, you work for so long, you put in so much time, you put in so many years to capitalize on moments like this. And it seems like time after time when I get this close, I just can't finish the job. I can't get it done. And especially to come up short here in Canada. In front of my family, my mother's out there, my sisters. I needed this win. NXT was at this point in a rebuilding period. Like, there's two golden eras of NXT. You've got that early 2014 period with the likes of Sami Zayn, Adrian Neville, Hideo Itami, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens. And then you get to 2018 with Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and Adam Cole. That kind of three-year gap was probably one of the weakest points in NXT history. And that's not a knock on NXT. Like, you had great talent. It's just, they weren't in the same sense as exciting as the wrestlers during this period. And Ty Dillinger had the opportunity to represent something that NXT has never had. And it's to live up to the moniker that anything can happen in the WWE. If you look at the story of Ty Dillinger, he's a character who has went from WWE not once, but twice. Let's not forget the run in like FCW. Let's not forget the run in ECW when he was Gavin Spears and then getting released and then coming back. He's had two runs with the WWE and both of them, both underwhelming for two different factors. And for this run in particular, Ty Dillinger felt like an incredibly organic direction for him to win the NXT Championship. There was... A video package, and I I implore you, if you have the WWE Network, please try to convince me that the 20, I believe it was 16, episode of NXT, it was right near the end of the year. I believe it's the 21st of December 2016 episode of NXT. And they have this promo package to decide who's going to be the number one contender for the NXT Championship. Nakamura was champion at the time. It was a fatal four-way main event of Roderick Strong, Bobby Roode, 
Andrade and Ty Dillinger. And they really focus on the fact that Ty Dillinger keeps on losing and losing in big match situations, which they never changed for the whole, like, run in NXT. He rarely won literally anything. All of his big matches on TakeOver, Eric Young, he lost. Uh, Andrade, he lost. The six-man tag against Sanity, I'm pretty sure he lost. Like, you, you could have gave him that big win. You didn't have to hold the title for long. Just, just a moment with the belt. But I'm getting extremely sidetracked. So, as I've previously stated in this storyline, Ty Dillinger has won a battle royal to earn a shot at the NXT Championship. And we've cut to next week, and Bobby Roode and Ty Dillinger are having a little face-to-face. You have the NXT Champion squaring up to Ty Dillinger, who, at this point, is kind of on the rise from going from a jobber to a jobber to the stars, to a mid-carder, to a main eventer in NXT. And Bobby Roode just... He, he grabs a microphone and he simply says, You finally did it! Congratulations! After six years dwelling in makeshift pairings, local enhancement talent, and hopeless returns, you've finally done it! You've made the marquee! I, I, I respect you, Ty. I, I really do. The Glorious 10 was something... Truly special. But you ruined it, Ty. You ruin every opportunity you touch. How many debuts and returns did you fail at, Ty? Zayn, Apollo, Andrade. You're a fighter, Ty. I, I won't take that away from you, but... The only reason you're here is because I've beaten everybody else. You have failed the Bobby Roode lottery again and again. What makes this any different? Of course, playing off the whole thing with Bobby Roode's kind of goal as NXT champion to make a better NXT. One that didn't really appeal to the casual fans that NXT had developed with full sale. You know, he likes wearing suits and ties and stuff like that. And at this point, Ty Dillinger, as a character, is the complete opposite of Bobby Roode. And he represents, you know, that Daniel Bryan aspect. He represents the people of NXT. They've seen him go from nothing to a somebody that they created and helped develop as a character. And Ty simply responds to Bobby Roode just saying that he was he's right. He says that sometimes I try and ask myself why. Why do I even try? You know, ever since I came to NXT, FCW, ECW, no, everywhere I go, I'm always left in the dust. They call me good, but never great. They call me an 8 because I wasn't a 9 or a 10. But the numbers don't lie, Rude. I lose. A lot. I've seen the lights... More than I have seen the crowd. And you know what? That makes me hungry. That makes me desperate. That makes me want to spin the lottery again and again. Because I am the perfect 10. Not because I win. But because because after everything. 
I never give up. And so that is their very first exchange on the road to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn Free. Basically, next week, we we get Ty Dillinger against Cassius Ono. You know, as a, a little tune-up match, you know? And it, it kind of goes how you would expect it to go. Ty Dillinger pulls it out, but barely, because Cassius Ono just hits him with stiff strike after stiff strike. But Ty Dillinger, with the help of the fans, eventually finds a way to win. Bobby Roode comes from behind and assaults him. And we go off the air with Bobby Roode holding up the NXT Championship. Very simple, very effective. Bobby Roode, throughout this entire story, does not have a wrestling match. Whilst Ty Dillinger, the man of the people, continues to fight each and every single week. So we go to next week. And it's Ty Dillinger up against Eric Young. Kind of paralleling the whole thing that eventually led to Ty Dillinger leaving NXT and it was the steel cage match. Ty Dillinger ends up winning, you know, by the skin of his teeth, barely escaping sanity. But before he can do that, Bobby Roode comes in, he's got a steel chair and a belt, he starts trying to assault Dillinger, but Dillinger has it scouted, he's a smart baby face in this, he knows he's gonna come here, and he just dodges. He he hits a steel chair on Bobby Roode, and he just looks at the NXT Championship. You hear the crowd chanting, 10, 10, 10. And yes, as he just gets one finger on the NXT Championship until out of nowhere, the Authors of Pain, the NXT Tag Team Champions, come and assault Ty Dillinger. Bobby Roode has hired some backup. The next week after that, Ty Dillinger comes out with the Authors of Pain, all three of them together, champions, holding up their titles, and pretty much, Bobby Roode tries to get some words out, but the crowd keep on chanting 10, kind of a la the beginning of this, and he essentially snaps saying that Ty Dillinger is the definition of what is wrong with this place. He is like all of you people. My NXT is clean. My NXT is for champions. My NXT is for winners. And now, I have an insurance policy. And so, we're stacking the deck against Ty. And we come to one of the final few segments heading into NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. It's Bobby Roode, Ty Dillinger, contract signing. You love your cliches. And... Bobby Roode just signs it instantly. He's confident about this. It's Ty Dillinger, a guy who he's beaten before at NXT TakeOver Toronto. A guy who he beat just so he can get a shot at the NXT Championship. He is looking more confident than ever before. And Ty Dillinger, he, in a surprising turn of events, doesn't sign the contract immediately. You know, there's a, there's a lack of confidence there. And, you know... Bobby Roode starts to try and berate him a bit, telling him how he's he's useless, he's worthless, you you don't deserve to be going for the NXT Championship, and Ty Dillinger says, you're right, I, I don't deserve to be going for the NXT Championship, but for the sake and love of these people, I will go for the NXT Championship. 
And the only way that I can see myself winning this is if I make the lights shine brighter than they ever have before. Bobby Roode, if I don't beat you at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3, my NXT career is over. Because what does Ty Dillinger have to lose? He's a guy who we've discussed as having, despite an incredibly shocking, like, losses, he has, like, an incredibly redeemable babyface character. He's a guy who has lost a lot, but ended up being treated like a megastar in NXT despite that. So much so that video packages were teasing him to potentially get a shot at a title. Or at least a higher profile position than he was receiving. And with it, the match is set. Bobby Roode versus Ty Dillinger, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. It is the clash of ideologies. Bobby Roode, the rich and powerful, the aristocratic champion versus Ty Dillinger, your jobber to the stars, your underdog, the guy who rose from underneath and despite being fired, found his way back, found his way back to NXT, reinvented himself and made himself a perfect 10, but not for himself, but for the people of NXT. And so it's the main event and it's exactly just that classic like old school main event, nothing flashy because both wrestlers, they're not really flashy wrestlers. They're both extremely character-based wrestlers. But the great thing about Ty Dillinger is that even despite that, his character-based wrestling does connect with the audience significantly. You see it with the way that he connected with just having tens for, like, punches when he's punching them in the corner. And, like, his tiebreaker move. Like, he doesn't do a lot of flashy stuff, but the way that he presents it gets the crowd behind him. And this match goes in a similar way to a lot of Bobby Roode matches in this point. Bobby Roode cheats to try and put away Ty Dillinger. But for some reason, it just doesn't work. He won't die. He won't give up. And we get a shot where the referee is knocked down because you love it. And Bobby Roode is just looking at the NXT Championship. And he just screams to Ty Dillinger that you will never have this. And he runs and hits Ty Dillinger with the NXT Championship. He goes for the cover. And the referee gets up conveniently at that point. One, two, Ty Dillinger kicks out, but it looks like he's on his last leg. You see members of the NXT locker room, people who've been beaten by Bobby Roode, Roderick Strong, Cassius Ono, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura makes a surprise appearance because he's probably recently been called up from this point. And they all just start just like hammering on like the ringside because they've all seen Ty Dillinger grow and they've all seen him develop from being a nobody to someone who became a big star in NXT. They're goading him on as the crowd continues to chant 10 and they start to believe in it. And it all ends with a tiebreaker to Bobby Roode. One, two, three. Ty Dillinger is your NXT champion the crowd celebrates chanting 10. Confetti flies. The underdog has done it as members of the NXT roster hoist Ty Dillinger above. The guy who went from nothing to a somebody. Not by his own fruition, 
but from the confidence of everyone in the NXT universe. Now, I don't know about you, but that feels like a story that NXT could not live without. Okay, so we've reached the end of this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with your friends, share it with your friendliest friends. For those of you who want to stick around, we've always got the final segment of this podcast. A little segment I like to call Fantasy Fumble. If you guys have never heard or know what the hell Fantasy Fumble is, it's basically... A lot like all the pitches we've already done in the past 50 minutes of this episode, except, well, it's almost completely improvised and it has to be done within a set time limit of music. So, without further ado, Fantasy Fumble will begin in 3, 2, 1, Fumble! Let the dumpster fire begin! Right, so remember that nice little 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, we're done with that now. It's over. It's done. Because in this idea, guess what? Ty, Ty, Ty can't count to 10. He can't count to 10. Because guess what happens? Concussions. No. But, you know, storyline concussions, not real life concussions. So basically, he is having a singles match against newly healed Mojo Rawley with his weird... I'm gonna punch the floor, boom, boom, ba 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 ba. And they're having this match, and you know Mojo Rawley's main offense is just tackle, punch, tackle, punch. He's a Pokemon, for God's sake. He basically does his classic punch. Ty Dillinger looks dazed. It's a it's a referee stoppage, a la Anthony Akoko. Mojo Rawley wins, and Ty Dillinger is sidelined for a couple weeks, and. You know, he wakes up and, you know, he feels this ring in his head and he's talking to Renee Young, who's wondering, hey, aren't you going to say the thing? But what thing? Like, Wait, do you not remember what your thing is? It was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the perfect what? But you're the perfect what? I'm, I'm perfect. Oh my God, I can't say. <laughs> and basically we have a series of promos where... Ty Dillinger is, he's trying to cut a promo, and he's saying, I'm perfect. And the crowd says 10, but he still can't quite say the number 10. So he tries other things. He tries speaking German. He is the perfect Zen, but it doesn't sound right. He can say he's the perfect, uh, God, my French and all other languages are failing me right now. Uh, the perfect... Crap, the music's not helping. Yeah, he tries it in different languages. It doesn't work. And then he has a match with Mojo Rawley. They have a brawl. And he gets hit again. Now he remembers how to count to the number 10. He gets hit in the head. He could say 10, but he can't say perfect. So he's just saying 10, 10, 10. He keeps on saying 10. Then he pins Mojo. And then the next week after that, he's still on his rehab session. He's trying to fix his mind. He's watching old NXT matches with himself. He keeps on listening to crowds to eventually he says he's number 10. He's perfect. He's a 10. He's perfect. He's a 10. Until Daniel Bryan walks in. The Smackdown general manager and just says, shut up man, you're a perfect 10. Oh my god! <laughs> that isn't good timing! Good timing! 
Maybe not a full-on comprehensible story, but we got timing! It's better than Ray! It's better than the rap CD! By God, him not being able to count to the number 10 finally helped me! So with that, we're, we're gonna end the episode here. If I want to first say thank you to all the new people who have been listening to recent episodes. Like, that's that's always been great for me. Like, a lot of the more recent episodes have been doing so much better than a lot of my older stuff, which is amazing. And it's nice to see, I, I guess, people are starting to enjoy my work, which is really cool. And I, I can't thank you guys enough, so once again, thank you so much for listening. And, you know, I I generally, from the bottom of my heart, I actually really missed doing an episode last week when I was really busy. And it, it honestly felt so good to just sit down and record this for however many hours. <laughs> I won't specify, but I'm I'm grateful that I have this platform to, I guess, speak my mind in my own way. And I wouldn't be able to have that platform believe that I can continue doing that platform if it wasn't for every single one of you. So thank you so much. And as it seems to be a trend with me getting really cheesy at the end, I'm going to end it here. So if you guys enjoy my content, feel free to subscribe, share it with your friends, share it with your friendliest friends. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Connor the Cooper, or you can follow me on Instagram at Wrestling with Fiction. And with that, I hope all of you have a lovely day. And remember, everyone, wrestling can always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.